week of finding demo surf fishing. This week we're going on the road. We're uh, we're leaving Florida. We're leaving the Panhandle. And we're going north. That's right. We're heading up to Charleston, South Carolina. And this week we're talking to Jeremy Evans of the Longest Cast Surf Fishing. So stick around because this is going to be a real educational experience with a really well-known guide in that area. So welcome to the show. Strap in, hang out, and you're listening to Find a Demo Surf Fishing. pumped up gonna be a good day yes it is yes it is all right everybody so like i said we're heading up to charleston south carolina uh, if you've never been it is a awesome place to be uh i am fortunate enough to say that i lived there for a few years as a kid lived up in the goose creek area so it was actually the place i caught my first red drum didn't even know that until about a year and a half ago that it was a red drum the guy i fished with told me it was a spot tail so whole life that's all i ever looked for was a spot tail didn't know what it was Hey, a little fun traveling in my history there. All right, so without further ado, welcome. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, absolutely. So appreciate you having me on. You you came, I was told, I think, I don't know if it's the exact words, but uh, I, I think the gist was you better talk to this guy because if you don't, you're missing out on a ridiculous amount of knowledge. So I, I was very thankful you even picked up the phone. Yeah, that's, I mean... We got a pretty big following up here. I mean, a lot of people coming to me, you know, looking for information, trying to learn the sport, surf fishing. Um, it's a very specific type of fishing. So there's a lot of guys want to do it and get out there on the beach. You know, they don't have a boat or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the fun parts. Uh, so pre-show, unfortunately, everybody, you don't get to see the pre-show. Uh, but that was something we ended up talking about, and we're definitely going to dig into here soon. Um, because it is a very, uh, it's a prevalent thing that I see happen a lot with the guides, and especially with the ones I've talked with here. Um, so for everybody here, this is going to be, uh, take a look on Facebook, The Longest Cast Surf Fishing. Uh, you're also going to be able to find Jeremy at thelongestcastsurfishing.com, and you can contact him through thelongestcastsurfishing at gmail.com. All of those will be linked back in the description of wherever you got the podcast. We are on every little platform, so by all means, go back to that. So, uh, Jeremy, let's go into the area that you cover. So, uh, when we were talking before, Charleston's your main area, and you cover what area for uh, for your charters? Uh, we cover, I'm going to, through all this interview, I'm going to be, referencing as we because my wife also has a big part in the business hey, yeah man um, the, te- the team is key <laughs> it's yeah, a, exactly. that's awesome you guys can do that together that's that's a good deal right there yeah it's so we cover most of charleston isle of palms sullivan's island folly and then wild dunes we get some clients that are staying there at the villas or one of the hotels and we'll actually come to them and go right out on the beach where they're located. We always try to go to the clients. So if they're closer to Folly Beach or one of the other, I always try to do that. So I have multiple spots. Yeah. I, I would figure you guys, uh, not uh, you're probably a lot like the guides here. I mean, you guys all got your honey holes, you know, with the weather and all the tracking and all the things like, all right, I know where I'm going to go between this spot and this spot, and it'll be a game time decision that, 
that makes a lot of sense because you want them to catch fish, and you know, exactly you want to catch fish. So it's all it's all a win and all that side of it. So let's let's rewind the tape. Let's go back into the history here. Uh, what got you into guiding, and how long have you been doing it? Um, so I've been fishing pretty much my whole life. I mean, started out as a young kid with my grandpa, freshwater fishing. Um, the surf fishing I got into when I was actually in the military in the Gulf Coast. Um, I was stationed in Gulfport, Mississippi. So me and a couple buddies, he was from up north in like the main area and he fished, you know, striped bass. So I kind of got into it with him. Um, that was kind of the, what the start in it. Um, it's, I would say like as far as the, I don't know, the history, is that what, that's what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what got you there? What got, I mean, you've been fishing yeah, a long time, but what got you into guiding? The guiding, that was just, I mean, I was doing a lot of fishing in this area and catching quality fish and guys were, they all wanted to go with me. You know, they were asking me like, Hey, I want to catch some of those big reds and sharks. And that's what got me into guiding as I started taking guys out and then realized, well, maybe, you know, I should do this for a living. So it just kind of just fell hand in hand. I started a Facebook business page and got all that going. Um, and it, it just picked up really quick. It was kind of surprising at first how well it, the community received it. Um, as far as I knew, that was the only surf fishing guide. Like I was the only surf fishing guide in the area. Wow. That's no pressure. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So built a business from the ground up. All right. And you were the only guy. Dude, I can't imagine that being the only one, especially after what I've seen nowadays. Yeah. It's, Go ahead. It's surprising. I mean, there's some in Florida and like Alabama area, but I did my research on it. And that's as far as I know, there's between like Myrtle Beach um, and Charleston on any or any of the other islands down here. I'm the only surf guide as of right now. Wow. Well, that's, I mean, huge advantage for you then. I mean, if, if anybody's traveling to Charleston, you want a surf charter, there you go. You already know who to contact. That's freaking, that's phenomenal right there, man. Good job. Yeah. And you do, um, your fishing style, though, is a little different here. Uh, you're, you're not you're not like us. You know, you're not going out there to target Pompano. You, you like putting customers on the big fish from the surf. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's. The yeah, I I would say like most people that are getting into surf fishing or you know they just look it up on YouTube or anything like that. They're kind of thinking more of that you know like whiting pompano and your smaller species. You know maybe um, guys that are more fishing for something to eat that type of surf fishing. Right. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm more, I mean, I'm strictly sport fisherman, so we don't keep anything. Like, the only times we keep fish or, like, whiting, we'll, we'll keep some for cut bait. 
Um, very rarely, well, if there's a client that wants to keep something and we can get a legal species. Uh, other than that, it's mainly that's our target. Like I, I specifically target the bigger fish, something that'll pull drag. You know, some people will remember that that catch. Right. So you're you're going after those. We call them. I think you guys call them the same. Correct me if I'm wrong. But bull reds, the the big ones, the monster black drum, uh, stuff like that. Is that correct? Yeah, we're we're targeting big bull reds. Um, obviously, your sharks are going to be there throughout the summer. Um, we don't specifically target sharks. We're not like land-based shark fishing. Um, but they're obviously a byproduct. Anytime you're throwing cut bait, big cut bait, you're going to get shark. Right. That's just the nature of that game. That's for sure. Well, the worst worst thing you could hook up on is, you know, like, you know, what giant hammerhead and just hold on for the ride and hope for the best. But uh, I can't imagine that. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very often. I mean, it's sometimes you do hook up on something that you just can't turn it, but it's not not very often um which is good you know it's not good for the sharks and you don't you don't want to be hooking into fish that you can't handle right and a lot of people we've run into this a lot down here in the panhandle um and i'm pretty sure it's probably an international thing people talk about sharks and fishermen especially the beach ones you know they're, they're like a lot of the comment of well if you weren't if you weren't fishing here we wouldn't have sharks closer to the shore it's like you you realize the we're in every fish's backyard right we're just fishing (laughs) (laughs) we're not trying to bring them in here it seems like yeah a lot of people that don't fish or they you know have limited experience they they just assume that you know that the the beach is where people are swimming or somehow protected from sharks when they <laughs> you know we're in their their environment right you know 100 percent, and their sharks are there it's like i tell people down here in south carolina with the stained water if if the water was clear nobody would swim yeah that is a, a very true statement down there oh man you're making me think of myrtle like no, no i'm <laughs> good i know it's here <laughs> beautiful beach beautiful town but man no i ain't getting in the water I remember, how old was I? Nine? No, I must have been ten. Uh, I saw one shark and I was like, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm real good. I don't need to, I don't need to swim here. <laughs> That's, oh, man. Sorry about that. I digress. Uh, so what do you believe being the advantage and the worth in hiring a surf fishing guide? I would say it's well worth the money because it's something that anyone can do. You know, anybody can get into surf fishing fairly easily but the issue is is that it's there's a lot involved in it to being successful um there's a ton to learn and it's very time consuming so hiring a guide one every surf fishing guide including me is going to be substantially cheaper than a boat guide anyways um but it's it's very reasonable for how much you're going to learn and then you're going to not only what the guide will is willing to share, but also just seeing, you know, you, you get to see where they fish and everything else. You're going to gain a spot as well on top of it. And you've seen, um, you, you've seen a lot with other guides. I mean, you've mentioned other guides and other zones, your fishing style there is going to be different though than 
you know, like the Outer Banks. You, you know, kind of the same game, but you're going to have different finesse techniques in your area. Would, would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. It's, yeah, the Outer Banks is, you know, they're, it's one, you know, most people fish the point there. Right. Uh, and at Hatteras there, and that's, like, everybody just piles into that one spot, you know, it different times of the year when you bluefish run and your red drum runs here it's our beaches are way different they're very shallow and the sand you know it's constantly changing like you don't have that constant ledge like you do in at the outer banks right so the running so the running game gets a little bit different with how you have to play your technique yeah you have to it's just you have to pay more attention to to the conditions, you know, where is where you're going to pick your spot. And tides, uh, tides for you guys, I mean, just like the east coast of Florida, you know, the, every six hours, your tide flow really does matter to your fishing, too. You guys really have to play the game. Is that, is that about right? Yeah, it's the tides here. It's like they're huge tide swings and they're very fast moving. So that's part of the fishing here it's it's like a race you know when it you get all your gear ready and it's go 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 to catch that tide um you'll see that a lot like i mean everybody obviously isn't (laughs) any fishermen they're they're anxious to get out there but it's funny to see here when it's a good tide it's the a lot of the fishermen you know they're they're racing to get to the water (laughs) all the accesses are clogged up the carts are out it's over Exactly. <laughs> oh man, I cannot imagine that. Just, it'd be painful for me just to see that. With so that's another huge advantage. Then, if you're going down into Charleston to go fish and go with somebody, now you proved another great point about being a guide. Is you know the tidal swing, you know when the ideal time to be there, but you also know, hey, the tide's going to turn here. This is when we need to be here, set up, ready to go when this happens. And if you're not from there, you're you might have an advantage, you know, playing it in different areas, but with you guys, that's something that really you, you want to be prepared for. Yeah, absolutely. It's like when I schedule people, you know, I schedule it based on the tide and then the, the time of day I match, you know, the best tide swing with the the tide, the window, you know, the time of day, you which is usually your, you know, early morning and late evening. Um, but that changes throughout the summertime. Sometimes your your um, time of day isn't as big of a factor as your tide window. So it's it depends. It's it's a lot to do for for a guide. Um, if you were trying to do all that on your own, especially if you would limited experience, it would be very difficult to to uh, have a successful trip on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, more reason for when I come up because that that is just going to have to happen now. So let's let's actually go back into the people here. So you get asked by new people all the time for advice. Um, and it's a constant for you. You'd mentioned that when we were talking, but you normally refer them uh, to somewhere without talking. You know, you don't waste their time. You're like, hey, look, I got something for you. Well, where do you normally refer people when they're asking you questions like that? I usually, I mean, obviously, I try to to encourage them to book a trip with us and you know i tell them that you're gonna look you're gonna get to learn a lot and you're gonna 
have a, a good experience, you know, and get to catch some really good quality fish. Um, I usually try to refer them to some of the local tackle shops here that I know the guys have some experience. Um, I really don't give out too much information, you know, outside of the trips. I mean, it's part of the business. Right, rightly so. Um, I do I do help a lot of people, though, on the Facebook pages, on the, the local surf fishing groups in, in Charleston. Um, I'll gladly share some information. But you're um, going to get the winning information by coming out with you, so. Ex- exactly. If you really you really want to see exactly what we do, you know, down to the nuts and bolts, that's how you're going to do it. Yeah, man. So with new people um, coming down there and they're fishing or not even vacationers, just people wanting to start out in Charleston, what do you see uh, as the most common mistake they make that could be easily avoided? By far, it's, it's, it would be in the gear. That's the biggest thing, kind of going back to what we were talking about with the tides here. Those big tide swings are really changed, like, the type of equipment you need compared to the other areas, like in the Gulf. Um, the gear here is going to be based on, obviously, your target species, but there's a certain point like people want to catch bull reds but they're you know they have an eight foot steelhead rod with an you know and they can only throw an ounce of weight right that's stuff like that i mean even if they were able to hook on to a decent sized rod, you know 40 inch that's what most people consider a bull red here they're not going to be able to land that fish you know unless they have a lot of experience you know, if you have 12-pound mono or something like that on a 3,000 reel, it's it's just not it's not the right equipment for the job. Yeah, that that's a super finesse right there, and yeah, that that's that's a lot of patience, a lot of drag manipulation. Ugh. Uh, yeah, and it's that would hurt my it's soul. Just, uh, with the surf fishing too, it's it's different. You know, it's you're not just fighting the fish; you're fighting the waves, the surf. So you have to have the equipment for that. You know, the surf rods are long. You know, a 12-foot surf rod is long for casting, but that's one of the mistakes a lot of people make where they think, okay, a longer rod is going to cast farther. That's not necessarily true. You can cast a 9-foot surf rod just as far, if not farther, with lighter line and less weight. Right, you got to find that, that sweet spot. Exactly. If you're trying to throw a piece of shrimp on a, a one-off hook and you're trying to throw it past the second breaker, you know, cause there's bluefish or that's where the whiting are at, then, you know, that's fine for a nine foot rod. But if you're trying to throw a two ounce chunk of mullet with a, a six or eight ounce weight, you know, that's where that 12 foot rod is going to have an advantage. God, that's a lot of weight. Sorry, I mean, down here, the heaviest I throw is a five ounce with um, some light stuff. So maybe I'm throwing six out, but yeah, eight and bait and heavier. Y'all, y'all have some power down there to throw that stuff. And and I understand it now after talking to several of you guys, that's just the nature of your game up there. There's, there's no getting around that. 
you really got to play that eight and bait if you're going after these bigger fish. Exactly. It's, I mean, we have, you know, the low country area, we have, you know, inlets and stuff where you can get away from the current some and, and fish those lighter, lighter tackle. Um, and if, you know, you want to surf fish, it's not technically surf fishing, but that's, if you're in the surf, the actual surf, then up here, that's what we use. We use eight and bait. Okay. On our bigger rods. What kind of rods are you using? I I don't think I ever asked you that. Uh, It depends on the time of the year. Like during the the bull red run, I'll run three bigger rods. So I'll have three 12-footers out. Um, They're heavy action, so they're 8-ounce rated. Um, You can, with the rods that I have, you can throw an 8-ounce weight and a chunk. Um, some rods are rated a little bit different, like they're, it's a max rating versus, you know, just your, your lead rating. Okay. But that's what we're using for the big fish. You know, when those big fish are, are thick in the surf, you know, we're just targeting them. We're not wasting time with a bait, you know, a whiting rod or anything. Right. Cause you've already got uh, your target plan and you've already zeroed in. So, I mean, wh- why, why play around for anything else? You're, you're, you're going for the tug of the drug. Exactly. That's once you figure out, you get on a pattern of the, where those fish are, when they're biting, where they're biting, then you can, you can capitalize and you can catch seven, eight, ten bull reds in a couple hours. Oh man, that would be so cool. I'm sorry. We don't, we don't get tons of, I mean, we get some bulls here, but I mean, getting them consistently like you're talking about that, that sounds like a good time. Exhausting, but a damn good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's nothing like it. I mean, the sur the surf fishing is a is just an experience. It's completely different than any other type of fishing. And, you know, you have the waves breaking. It's the sound of being out there, right on off the beach, and then you have a totally different fight than a boat, where you know your line is straight out. You know, you're a hundred yard cast. So when that fish picks that up, you know he's peeling makes a big run, you know, he's got you 150 yards out. It's just a, a totally different experience. It's a, you know, a long fight, big fish. <laughs> oh, man. All right, that's it. After this interview, I'm going fishing. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's where I'd be right now. It's, the winter blues are kind of hitting a little bit, but we'll get through it. Yeah. Ah, uh, the winter changes everything. It's it's funny for all of us, too, because we all deal with it. We all go with the slow one. It's like New England, they're all, eh, yeah, it's getting cold, bluefish time. All right. And through all the rest of us down <laughs> here, like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I need my fish back down here. Come on. Mess with me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, when you're talking about big fish, you're also talking about big rigs. Like We're not talking your one-aught, two-aught circle hooks here. You're going after some big stuff. Um, you also you're making rigs as well and you're selling them through your Facebook page. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. We, we make the same, the same exact rigs we're using for our trips with our clients or we sell on the Facebook page. Um, kind of what we've learned, you know, on our own tr- through trial and error and testing different rigs, you know, we want to offer that 
to the client, you know, clients or anybody else. Or, or we sell them all over the, the country. So um, we kind of have a unique design for a castable rig. That's obviously in our name. That's all we do is, is cast baits out. So that's the number one um, concern, you know, with the rig, the design of the rig. Okay. What else can you tell us about it? Like a 50 pound, I, I haven't seen one yet. And I know I'm going to find one eventually. I'm definitely going to be ordering some because I've got an idea for it down here. Uh, but can you tell us more about the setup of it? Um, yeah, so the, the original, we have a few different ones, um, all single hook rigs. They're The original design that I first came up with is is all mono. It's a full piece of mono. Um it's a sliding leader slide style rig. So you have the sinker slide, but it's on the leader. It's not, it's not a fish finder rigs where you have a leader and then the slide up above on your main line. Okay. So that rig is 80 pound mono with an eight aught hook. And that's going to be your bull drum standard bull drum rig. That is not breaking. Dang, man. That's serious right there. Yeah, that's that's a good rig. You can catch, you know, a dozen or more bull reds on that one rig, you know, with 80-pound mono without without it failing on you. So you get your, you know, money's worth out of it. Right. And, um, the, and the ADOT, is, is, that's a perfect size. Uh, and you, you guys figured that out through a lot of trial and error, I think you were telling me. Yeah, that's originally I started out using four-aught hooks and smaller baits um with that same style rig and it, it i caught a lot of bull reds on on that original rig but the bait size is very you know it's dependent on the hook size and that's um for that size hook and bait it's ideal for the bull reds yeah. And I, I, I don't, I think I'm not asking a trade secret, but I might be. So by all means, just tell me if I am, uh, when you're set up on that kind of, what's your beta choice on those eight, uh, on an ADOT? Um, usually cut mullet. So you, okay. we call them the, the horse mullet or donkey mullet. They're the big, big mullets, like your 12 to 14 inch mullets. Wow. That's what we're using and cutting that up into like two inch wide, basically like steaks. Oh man, it's like a buffet. Oh, it's brilliant, dude. Yeah. So they go nuts for mullet up there, like that. Oh man, that's been the best bait for me. I mean, I've I use Manhattan and um, I've used you know I use a lot of whiting, cut whiting, and bluefish that we catch. Um, they seem to eat. They'll eat any of those baits, but the mullet has by far been the most consistent for the bull reds. Okay. Yeah, I learned something new today. I've never, I'll, I know I'm a horrible angler. I've never used mullet. I, I mean, I've, I've used a lot of crab, but I might have to go start getting me some mullet there because that sounds smart. Um, so with me digging into your awesome trade secrets, about, without giving any away, how do you like to set yourself up for success when fishing? I mean, it starts, it's a long process. It, it starts from, you know, planning out the day. The You got to look at the weather, you know, wind. The wind is another big factor that a lot of people overlook. Um, wind direction, tide, 
you know, I kind of, I don't just go, okay, I'm going to go fishing this weekend. You know, for me, it's, I, I pick the days very specifically, whether it's, you know, me fishing just for myself or clients. And that's the key. I mean, you got to figure out, figure out those patterns of the fish, like what, what days they're going to, they're biting on the best. It's, um, that's how I set up for, for success. And it's once, once I figured out like the best tides days to go when, you know, wind for a particular spot, um, you know, then you just have that constant success rate. It's just, you know, it's just piling in, piling in. Doing your homework makes, I mean, it pays off. So like you said, you also had mentioned one thing um, without giving away the area. I think if I bring this up, I don't think it gives it away. But you said, you know, if you've got a north wind, I'm sorry, a south, north-south, that's me. So, yeah, for you, that's going to be your right and left. So if you've got a wind going north or south, you you plan on some points and some things like that, whereas you have an east or a west wind face or tail, uh, it kind of changes the game for you there. But it's when it's ripping north and south, that, is that better fishing or worse fishing for you? The wind direction, the only wind direction that really has an effect on the actual water itself is is a north or south wind. So that's going to change the chop of the water. Um, but other than that, it's mainly, it's only affecting your, your actual setup. Like if you have a wind, say you're, you got a, a north, like northeast wind, or, you know, it's coming from the side or, you know, southeast that's and your tide is going the same direction as the wind you know, and it's a 10, 15, that's going to be hard to fish that because you're, the current's going to be pushing your bait as well as the wind is pushing your line. Right. So that's something to think about. You know, it's, if your bait is, is drifting, that's going to affect your, you know, your success. You, you need to make sure you keep those lines straight out in front of you. Right. Yeah. What do you use for sinker setup? Are you a, Pyramid, diamond, uh, cannonball, Sputnik, or what's your preference? I use bit at pyramid weights or, or uh, depending on where I'm fishing, if it's like a rocky bottom area, which we actually have here at Sullivan's Island, it's kind of a unique area. Um, I use the bank sinkers a lot there just because they don't get hung up as much. Um, but I like actual lead, like actual weight. A lot of guys like the Spudnik weights, which they do hold really well, but the downside to a, a Spudnik weight is if you're fishing in wind because you sometimes you need an actual 8-ounce chunk of lead to cut through the wind when you cast. Okay. So so when you are when you say actual lead, are you talking like, uh, I'm trying to see it, all I see is a big brick right now in my head, but I, yes. I, I know you're using something different. Uh, what What's the design? Is it kind of maybe I can see it that way? A pyramid weight usually. Oh, that's okay. We, like a a four ounce Spudnik will hold as good as like a six ounce pyramid. So that's where, if your main goal is just holding power, then that's the Spudniks are by far the best. But 
a lot of guys they try to get away with with the spudniks and again with the lighter gear they will use a four ounce spudnik on like a 10 foot surf rod so that they can throw it but if you're fishing in a high wind which is some of the best days to actually fish or when it's really nasty out yeah that's when you need more an actual eight ounce piece of lead because that's going to cut through the air when you cast okay because those bull reds i mean even here on a nasty day i know it's a red day reds some for some reason love that surf being ugly yeah exactly and that's how it is here too it's usually the days that we crush the reds are the days when it's nasty and there's hardly anybody out there fishing yeah, and it's nice. The beach is open then. You know, not so many people to worry about crossing your line. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when we're talking about that one, uh, what are your thoughts on the surge of people flocking to surf fishing? I mean, I haven't seen it so much outside of Charleston. Um, this area is, it, I've been here almost two years and not a long time, so. I would say the surf fishing here is is kind of a small community because the beaches are more limited and also you can't drive on the beach. So I would say that that definitely um, it's not as big as like North Carolina or like parts of Texas stuff like that. Um, but it, it's definitely picking up in popularity. No. That's good. Any reason, What? Or any thoughts why for that area, why it's starting to pick up? I would just say, I mean, I think the South Carolina, they, the fisheries here are amazing. I think that they've done a, a great job, you know, keep protecting the fisheries here. And it, it showed, I mean, there was more, I think there was more big bull reds caught this fall than, than the last couple of years. Um, and I think that's people just want to get after those fish, you know, and they see that surf fishing is an easy way to, to do it. What do you get? Uh, I know for us, a uh, 28 is dead. Nope. Can't take a tank. Can't take a red over 28 inches here in Florida. What about up there? It's 15 to 23 here. I mean, they, wow. it, they've changed it recently, but the last I looked, it was 15 to 23. But your but your drum seer your drum fishery though is thriving now. It it was hurting for a while from what it sounds like you're saying, and now it's really coming back. Yeah, it was. I mean, they put more restrictions on the fish here, like every across the board, uh, reds, flounder, trout, all of it. Um, but yeah, the bull reds are are definitely thriving. I mean, South Carolina is, North Carolina would ha- I mean they would have the probably the best red fishery in the country if they you know didn't allow the gill nets and stuff up there but that's you know i won't get into that too much it's just <laughs> oh we could do we could do a whole <laughs> show on that because I, I i'm in the same box and anybody that's commercial hey uh i'm sorry i'm not sorry you know we're the one the ang- the regular angler is the one that gets punished for the overfishing and it's like i'm only getting one i i can only get one <laughs> per day you're getting 500 and some are some are in that slot some are not but you have a blanket safety and i get punished no sorry 
Yeah, I'm not sorry when I say that on this podcast. I will happily put it in the description. No, I fully disagree with that. And I think it sucks that we are the ones that have to pay for that penalty when we're not the ones doing it. But sorry, I digress. A little, little angry. Yeah. Oh, bring it back a little. <laughs> At least in South Carolina, they, they're they doing something right. I mean, there's obviously not a, a ton of bull reds get, you know, getting taken illegally or, you know, dying from – from fishing, you know, mishandling and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, there's plenty, plenty of bull reds, and they're big bull reds too. These are, you know, fully mature, fat reds. Oh man, just thinking about that, I can see because uh, I've got a heavier rod. I've got the uh, the Akuma uh, Longitude. That's my heaviest twelve footer that I have, and I've caught plenty of fish on it. But a monster bull red, I, I've hooked up on one, and just seeing how it bent over, I was, I was like, oh, this is unbelievable. This is going to be a fight for a day. It's going to take me forever to get this fish in. So for up there, I've never caught a fish that size that you catch. I can only imagine that rod just bent over trying to take me with it. So <laughs> that sounds yeah, it's, fun. It is. It's a lot of fun, and people love the red fish. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful fish, and... Um, very prestigious to catch. Um, you know, you could catch a hundred, we put guys on 130 pound black tips, you know, but a, a 30 pound red is, you know, that really lights people's eyes up when they see that 30 pound red. Oh my God. I can't imagine. Whoa. We've caught some bigger ones than that. Are you yeah, serious? I mean, most the, yeah. The biggest ones we caught this year were, were probably close to like 50 pounds. Holy um, damn! I didn't realize they got that big. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, we catch them. We catch them in the like forty-five to to forty-eight inch range. That's like probably the the average. But uh, some of the biggest ones taken this year were like fifty inches, and the biggest one was fifty-five. Oh man! Wow! And it was probably some kid with a Zebco. Come on, you you just got to tell me it's got to be that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, no, that was on, the fifty-five. Was actually the, I caught that one when me and my wife went out, just me and her. Oh wow, that must have been fun. Yeah, that was a big fish. <laughs> it sounds like it. I can only imagine. But I mean, there's a ton of fish. There's surf fishing down here. I mean, there you have a lot of big fish. You know that you can catch like. Um, I mean, there's the big black tip sharks you have, um, I mean, my wife, she caught a 50 pound King mackerel in the, in July. Wow. Off the beach. And then we caught, we caught a tarpon in August. So you can catch, I mean, you can catch a lot of fish, different species too. Dude, so going out with you sounds like a win every time now. Now, no, I I have to come up now. I have no choice. So, uh, well, that I mean that's going to push me into this question: uh, Is your business open year round, or you do seasonal? Right? It's open year round. Um, the winter time, though, it's I don't fish a lot in the winter time just because it's it's much slower. If you know the sharks are gone, so that kind of takes away from the action I, I want people to have that experience of you know multiple big fish you know double hookups you know r- running back and forth craziness type of experience you know something they'll really remember 
I like going fishing, but you're really doing a workout, doing your shuttle runs. I mean, you get a full body in there, so I get that. That'd be fun. Yeah. That's what they need yeah, to do. That's, Go ahead. That's what we do. I mean, that's what, we're, what our business is all about. You know, we want people doubled up, you know, big fish, drag screaming. Hair on so. fire fishing. Oh, man, that sounds fun. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one down here. Uh, and I always, end, I always end it with this question here. Um, what do you wish someone coming down to uh, Charleston to do some surf fishing that's never fished there before would do before they even put a line in the water? I Honestly, I mean, <laughs> obviously I wish they would would book with me first. But <laughs> of course, of course. That's not always going to happen. I mean, people are, they fish in other areas, you know, they, they're, they're kind of stubborn, you know, they, they want to figure it out on their own. But, um, the biggest thing is just having the right gear and stuff, you know, because if you, if you bring down your bass rods from up North or whatever people come in here, which we see all the time at the tackle shops, it's, if you're casting those lighter rods and stuff out into the surf and, you know, you have a, a big piece of mullet on there and a shark picks it up, you know, they're just going to spool you and break you off. So you're, then you're leaving lying out in the water and all that, you know, that's the biggest thing. I wish people would just, you know, take the time and, and, uh, spend the money, you know, get a setup that can actually handle the fish here. That's a big one right there. Well, you definitely nailed it, man. I mean, especially with the gear one. So it's you're, I think, the third or fourth person that's told me the gear being the biggest one. Like, please get the right gear, and then next being talk to the ta- talk to your local tackle shop. Um, well, I guess the actual first is, well, why don't you actually call me? Because uh, you don't need to buy gear. You just come out and fish, and I'll get you on the fish, and we'll be all good, and I'll save you a bunch of money because what you're gonna buy, you're gonna waste your money on, and be, uh, you know, or bring your wrong gear and be upset that you did something you weren't supposed to so good stuff go ahead it's what yeah that's i mean the tackle shops here you know the local tackle shops here they're very knowledgeable and that's i just think that that's you know people go to the tackle shops get and get some advice you know that goes a long ways yeah and the i think gone of the days are the I don't want to say the 80s or 90s mentality of the tackle shops just there to make their money, rip you off, and take that one. I, I don't, I can't say I've been to a tackle shop in, I don't know, the last five years that I've walked in and they were just like, oh, you need this, you need this, you need this, and just trying to ring the bill up. Uh, yeah, I've never been in a tackle shop like that either. I mean, I just don't think fish the fishing community is like that. I mean, guys are, you know, they're very passionate about fishing and I think it's a, a sport that people enjoy, you know, sharing, like sharing the experiences and stuff. Um, I know the tackle shops here are very helpful. So anybody coming to Charleston, that won't be an issue at all. They can get all the help they need. And, poss- you know, most of the time you don't even have to spend any extra money. You know, it could be something as simple as just a rig you know, setting your rig up a little different. Yeah. Well, getting you set up will be success. And now, I I know if I come to Charleston, well, well when, because it's not if, it's when, 
uh, when I come up there, I'm definitely uh, going to be booking you because I, I, I'm not going blind, man. I'd rather fish with you. And um, I don't know. While we're out there, maybe we can, I'll bring the recorder and be like, all right, you want to talk a little? <laughs> we'll, yeah. We'll play the game live a little bit and uh, really get in on it. So. We'll yeah, get, definitely. I'd love to take you out sometime, show you the ways up here, see what you think compared to Florida. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm all for getting my ass kicked by a red. <laughs> if that's one, one fish I'm accepted for, yeah, I'll do it. I'm down. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, man. Yeah, you might get a tarp and you never know. Oh, that's on the list. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I, somebody's told me I can catch him here, and but I got to go to the pier, and I'm just, I'm, I'm not a pier guy yet. I'm, I'm not comfortable on the pier. I, uh, I don't have that mentality. I don't have that calmness. People get in my bubble, yeah. and I'm, I'm a little like, all right, this, this isn't going to end well for either of us. I don't know what it is. <laughs> too many years exactly. in the core. That's what it is. Too many years in the core. Oh, yep. man. All right, Jeremy, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you coming on, taking the time with me today, uh, and definitely you know, letting a few things out. You dropped a ton of great knowledge for people to come up to Charleston, uh, and if you all are heading up there, definitely take a look at Jeremy. Uh, he Again, the longest cast surf fishing. Uh, you can get him there on Facebook, on his webpage, thelongestcastsurffishing.com, and reaching out to him through email at thelongestcastsurffishing at gmail.com. And again, we will have links to all those descriptions on there so you guys can reach out and get in touch with him uh, from there and plan your trip up to Charleston and get set up because, man, I want to see some fish. So if anybody listening, you're catching with Jeremy, you got to post him up because I want to hear about it. <laughs> No, I mean, any last thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's been a good, yeah, good, uh, good interview. Enjoyed it. Likewise, Definitely, man. Definitely, uh, hopefully, work with you again. Oh, I I think we will. Oh, well, I have a good feeling that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Okay. Yeah, take it easy. Yeah, man. So everybody, again, thank you so much for sticking with us this week. Again, we took talk out, talked to again. I can speak English. The longest cast surf fishing. Lots of great information for Charleston. So go ahead and head on up there. If this uh, podcast was helpful for you, don't forget to share it out there. Like, comment, subscribe. Come on back. We're available on every podcast area. You got Podbean, podcasting from Apple, Amazon, uh, Spotify. You name it, we're out there. Uh, help me out by helping you out if you got an idea for the show by all means send it in i'd love to hear about it if you got a guide uh in your area that you think would be a great fit to talk about fishing in their area by all means please bring it in this is not a podcast just for florida we are taking this all throughout the country we will be hitting all the east coast we will hopefully be hitting the west coast here in the next few months so come back stick around i appreciate you i'm really glad you were here and you're listening to finding demo surf fishing we'll see you next time